Welcome to Sci Section. My name is Afrin, and I represent the Sci Section radio show broadcasted on the CFMU 93.3 FM radio station. Joining me today are Amna Amr and Mohamed Raida, the team that received the gold medal prize for their submission to the Canadian Undergraduate Research Competition. So, could you please briefly introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Mohamed Abdurida, and I'm studying chemical engineering at the University of Calgary. I'm currently in my third year of studies, and yeah, it's great to be here. Hi, my name is Amna Mir. I'm in my third year of chemical engineering with a digital engineering minor at the University of Calgary. Awesome. So my first question for the both of you is, what sort of experiences first sparked your interest in research and academia? And was Kirk sort of your first undergraduate research experience? Kirk was my first undergraduate research project. And what sparked my interest in research as an undergraduate was actually my passion for software development. So the way I ran into research was actually, I just looked up professors that were studying artificial intelligence and I reached out to several of them. And after a month or two, we got into back and forth contact. And when we finally agreed to work on a project, it happened to be COVID season. So I ended up being tasked to work on a project that's related to COVID-19 diagnosis using cheap mobile devices to make diagnosis of COVID-19 accessible to most people. So I would say from my point of view, it was just my interest in a specific field. And I honestly just kept pursuing it. And I kept looking for professors who had a relation to that topic. And once I found somebody who can help me out and sort of let me into research, it just, it was history from there. That's very inspiring. Thank you. What about you, Amna? So like Mohammed, Kirk was also my first undergraduate research project. I was first interested in the realm of academia because of a close friend of mine who at the time I was starting to apply had already secured a position researching stem cell research. And so motivated and inspired by her, I also applied, but in areas that I was more interested in, including machine learning, AI like Mohammed. And because I did begin my search late, most positions at that point had already been filled up, but due to the pandemic, there was a huge surge in research related to COVID-19. And that's where like I fit in and the project as well. Awesome. That's really great. Your paper presents Remote Vitals, which is a vital functions monitoring application that uses smartphone sensors to cheaply provide diagnostics on patient vitals. So tell us a bit about why you chose Remote Vitals monitoring as your subject and what sort of first interested you most about the topic. So with all the talk about hospitals being overwhelmed and ventilators running out, it made sense that we needed to look into a smart and cheap way of testing and monitoring for COVID-19 symptoms. What I found most interesting was the expandability of the project and the potential for AI to allow us to do things that were previously thought impossible. So it first started off as looking or finding a way to get the data from mobile phones and sort of make sense of what that means in the context of COVID-19. But that sort of evolved into an app and then that became more expandable with all the technologies that we incorporated into it. And that potential for the project and like the learning experience that comes with it was really a very compelling factor for why I chose to pursue this project. For sure, yeah. What about you, Amna? So just jumping onto what Mohammed said about the project, the project provided an accurate method to monitor and pre-diagnose COVID-19 related symptoms using fast four-year transforms and smartphone sensors. 
Along the way, we ended up collaborating with other research students, including the most notable contribution by Ryan Lee and his what's called the Meditriage, which is a tool that matches symptoms to diseases and provides the top three, which allowed us to create a more well-rounded app. And so I guess what most interested me about the overall project was the collaboration factor, but also the fact that we were able to learn about machine learning and AI, as well as app building, which is something I have no experience in whatsoever. But just beyond that, beyond the learning component to the project, I really enjoyed the fact that I was able to create the app, but also contribute to the fight against COVID-19. For sure. And as an undergraduate myself, that's really inspiring that you guys were sort of brave enough to embark on this sort of journey. So it can be pretty daunting as undergraduates to take on this sort of project. So what resources or strategies did you think were most useful when conducting research for Kirk? So one of the technologies that we found really helpful was called Flutter, and it's a cross-platform development tool. It lets you develop for iOS and Android using the same amount of code, which put in layman's terms is a platform that lets you develop for two platforms with half the amount of code, which was very a very powerful prospect for us because we didn't really know how to build apps at the time. And it really bootstrapped us to like go much faster than we would have if we had stuck to traditional methods. So we took a big gamble on Flutter and it really paid out because we were able to create this very rich user experience that we could develop further into both iOS and Android. And that reach that we had for both platforms was very crucial because we wanted everybody to have the accessibility of using the solutions that we come up with and the products and everything. So that was very powerful. So the other technology was actually called Firebase and it's a cloud platform for developers. And the way it works is that it allows us to store data. So Firebase allows us to store specific data about the users. For example, we used it to store the signals that came out of the mobile devices. So with all the signals that we had generated, we are able to train our artificial intelligence models. And with that, after training the models, we're also able to distribute all the models to devices through Firebase, which is very, very powerful. And it's actually really simple and easy to learn. So the user-friendly experience that Firebase provides was very helpful because we're also new to all these technologies. Like we didn't really know much about app development and distribution of software and all that good stuff. It was it was very encouraging to see all these technologies that were ready for us to use and implement and actually help us in our development journey. So I think from my point of view, those two technologies were very, very useful. Yeah, for sure. And I think our judging panel did notice that the software development aspect of your project is something that definitely stood out because COVID-19 is sort of a more of a bioengineering slash biomedical topic. So could you elaborate a little bit about what the Kirk process was like for you and things that you sort of learned along the way? For sure. So the Kirk process overall was very straightforward. We really enjoyed working with the team as they were very flexible with our timings. We had to write a report for Kirk explaining what we had researched and why it mattered. An interesting fact about like the whole Kirk process was that it was very geared towards bio students. And so when we as engineering students were applying for it, it was just different. For example, there was a survey and there wasn't really a spot for engineering students since it was mostly like biology student oriented. And so going into it, we kind of felt like fish out of the water, I guess. But in the end, it ended up working out and we ended up winning the competition, which was unexpected, but a welcome surprise. 
It was actually a plus. We're different, apparently. Yeah, definitely. And so something that we learned along the way was just to, I guess, apply ourselves and not really care about the conventions of the competition, but just try something out. Yeah, Yeah. of course. And as an engineering student myself, I was very excited to see that sort of more of a bioengineering project ended up taking the lead. So that brings me to my last point. Do you have any advice for other students that are also looking to delve into academia at the moment, especially with the pandemic making things so much more difficult? I would say take a leap of faith. It never hurts to ask professors and teachers for opportunities because 100% of the opportunities that you don't ask for are always missed. So I feel like I messed up that thing. But if we hadn't emailed professors over and over again, we would have missed out on a huge learning experience. So I'm thankful that we took the risk. And I think that's the biggest lesson that we've learned is take risks that will pay off in your learning because you never know how much you learn and you never know where your efforts will take you because it's been really great seeing the development that we've gone through and the support that we've received from professors, faculty, and other people who are sort of researching in their own little niche that joined us in our efforts. And that I think that is the most inspiring thing that could happen to an undergraduate student in terms of academia. So yeah, take risks would be what I would say. Yeah, definitely. Hi, my name is Lumi and I'm your journalist. I'm so excited to be here today with Aditi and Tanya, who was one of the two teams to win silver medal in the CURC. Could you guys introduce yourselves, please? Yes, of course. My name is Aditi Das and I'm currently in my second year of honors biochemistry at McMaster University. Hi, and my name is Tanya and I'm in my second year of honors life sciences and minoring in psychology at McMaster University as well. That's great. So could you guys tell me what your research paper was about? So our research paper aimed to find a solution to the COVID-19 pandemic by proposing a structure of a potential inhibitor drug that could possibly prevent the virus uh, from infecting the human body. So the virus responsible for the COVID-19 pandemic is SARS-CoV-2, and it basically enters the human body through a spike protein. Um, so it, the spike protein attaches to a cell receptor in our body known as, known as ACE2. So our main target was to design a drug that would be able to mimic the structure of the ACE2 protein so that the spike protein would mistake the inhibitor for that enzyme and bind to, that, bind to the drug instead. If the S protein is not binding to the human cell receptor and instead binding to our design drug, then it cannot enter the cell and thus it cannot infect the human body. So this is what we were trying to achieve through our research. That's really cool. So how did you guys become interested in this topic? Um, Yeah, so when we started working on this project, uh, COVID-19 cases were on the rise, and I would hear everyone talk about it. So every aspect of people's lives were almost affected. So and at that time, there was not any effective vaccines or any kind of solutions for that. So we decided to explore this field and come up with a possible solution. Plus, um, we also uh, were learning about uh, drug discovery in our classes, which made us more interested in pursuing the topic. And it also gave us idea into how we will conduct our research. So uh, we hope that our article will contribute to our community and the ongoing COVID-19 research. That's really amazing. You guys were able to do that. That's very fascinating. And how did you guys conduct your research? 
So to do our research, we use some softwares called Pymal and molecular do docking software. So what basically what Pymal does is that it helps you visualize the three-dimensional structure of a protein and helps you analyze different part of it in details. Like you can look at very specific sites and you can look how the protein would interact with another molecule. And uh, we also use the molecular docking software that helps to figure out the binding affinity of one enzyme to another. That is, it basically allows us to know if the design inhibitor would be able to bind to the spike protein or not, or how well it would bind to that protein. In terms of the designing the drug itself, our goal was to make an inhibitor that would be able to mimic the structure of the original ACE2 protein, as we mentioned before. But our drug would also have certain specific qualities that would make it better than the ACE2 protein in, uh, in binding to the S protein. So um, our drug would be able to bind with the S protein with a higher affinity. And in an environment where both are present, the S protein would selectively bind to the inhibitor itself. I'll let Tanya explain the rest. So in order to create a good inhibitor, we found that it was good to add heteroatoms like oxygen, nitrogen, and sulfur that will be able to form hydrogen bonds with the receptor binding domain of the viral S protein. And we also thought to add some organic molecule, and this would help facilitate interactions on the binding site. And when we use the docking simulation, a score of negative 4.4 was generated. So the more negative docking score is, the better binding affinity is. And the docking score of ACE2 was lower uh, and had a lower negative value as compared to the R design drug. So this implies that the drug has higher binding affinity than the ACE2 protein and thus is more efficient. So this drug is predicted to be able to competitively bind to the viral cells and inhibit it. Thus, it can prevent the virus from spreading in the body. That's really impressive. And I was just wondering like this pandemic has been going on for over a year now. So how are you guys navigating through the pandemic as students? That's a good question. As for me, it's not been the best time. I miss my friends going to classes, interacting with people and getting involved in activities I love. So that has been a major drawback. I miss studying in libraries because it was a big motivation for me. But I must say, Online school is a bit easier than actual in-person classes because I don't have to go in class. Uh, I already get my recorded lectures on my websites. But one of the best things that came out of this pandemic was that I got closer to my family, got to spend more time with them. I was able to enjoy a lot of outdoor activities and was able to self-reflect and take out time for myself. Plus, I learned new skills like baking, so it's been okay. Yeah, it's been the same for me. While I do miss the in-person classes and meeting with my friends, online classes sort of saves a lot of time, especially like I don't have to spend as much time in commuting or moving from one class to another. And I definitely have been spending that extra time in um, taking up more extracurriculars and also spending a lot of time with my hobbies, such as re reading and cooking and stuff like that. And I've also been spending a lot of time with my family, and that, that was really fun. But I do hope things uh, get back to normal soon because I feel like we have spent most of our undergrad year, um, years at home and it would be fun to like go back to the campus. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah, I relate to that as well. I feel like it's definitely being hard for me as well during the pandemic. But it seems like you guys have been doing this research and being, being able to find things to do during this time. So thank you for talking with me today, Aditi and Tanya. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us.
Next, we have Alexandra Witt, one of the silver medal winners of CORC. Congratulations and welcome to SciSection. Thank you. I'm super glad you're here. So first, could you briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Alexandra Witt and I'm a life sciences specialization student at Queen's University. Awesome. So could you talk to me about what your research paper was about? Yeah, so my research paper was about animal models for COVID-19. Essentially, the question we're asking is what animals can we test our vaccines and antivirals in that will give us results that might be most similar when translated into humans? Because we can't start all of these experiments in humans, and we need to start with animals. And of course, rats and mice are the most common when you think of laboratory animals. And there were a lot of trials on these rodents, but these are small animals, so they've got some pretty significant differences when you compare them to humans. So that's why most research requires a large animal model. And for that, you normally think of non-human primates like your rhesus macaques, cynomolmagus macaques, and African green monkeys. And it can also mean dogs, pigs, ferrets, and more. So when I started this research, I was looking at kind of the main models that we had seen for COVID-19, and that ended up being rhesus macaques, cynomolmagus macaques, and ferrets. That's really interesting. So how did you become interested in this topic? So when I started this research, it was actually in May through my university veterinarian. So I was part of a group research initiative looking at other animal research. And my boss said, why don't you look into COVID-19 animal models? And by then a few groups had come out, mostly looking at rhesus macaques, cynomolgus macaques, and ferrets as animal models for the disease. So I took the approach of a systematic review to compile everyone's data together and see if I could discover which of these three animals showed the same presentations as humans when infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. That's cool. And how did you conduct your research? Essentially, I took everyone's data and I put it into a giant spreadsheet. So some data had to be reformatted, some researchers had to be contacted, but eventually I had as much data as possible in each of those animals when I went to run the numbers. And I looked at one of the biggest human symptoms for COVID-19, which was lymphocytopenia, which is a decrease in lymphocyte count. And I tried to see if any of the animals were experiencing the same changes. Rhesus monkeys were the only species tested for this white cell count, and they actually did show the same results. That being said, there was only one study, and that's sort of an elaboration that I go into in my discussion because it's one of the problems that we've realized, which is that research needs to become a more collaborative effort with standardization in place. So for testing models, animal models for a viral disease, we need to be using the same units for a number of routine tests, and we need to make our data public, at least for you know the scientific community. So obviously, as an undergrad, I can't make any huge pleas to the scientific community, but I can say that if there were stronger reporting standards and research, I would have been able to include at least seven more studies, which is a lot when you've only got 16. Yeah. So what was the research process like? Was it challenging? Was it enjoyable? I think it was really enjoyable, especially to have the opportunity to be researching COVID-19 while we're all in this pandemic at the same time. You know, it really felt like a privilege to say, you know, like I'm keeping on top of these things. I'm constantly looking at what's being published, what's new out there. So, you know, the same thing happens. All of your suggestions for articles are new COVID-19 articles. So I'm kept in the loop and my parents are going, oh, you know, what's happening right now? Or this is crazy. I'm like, yes, I know. Here's, you know, maybe some points that'll alleviate your stress or some things to keep us all in the loop, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Is it the first time you're doing a research or entering into a research competition? This was, yeah, it's my very first. That's really exciting. Do you think you'll continue doing research in the future? Yes, I'm actually waiting to hear back about master's programs. So my hopeful trajectory is towards a PhD. So this is where I want to be. Wow, good luck. That sounds very exciting. (laughs) Thank you. 
as a student, how are you navigating through the pandemic? I think this is probably common for a lot of people you're talking to right now, but as a science student, particularly someone who likes the wet lab work, it's been really difficult having to spend all of first semester at home and then second semester getting, you know, as many hours as possible in the lab, but working around all these new rules, which is, you know, we're in a small lab, we can't all be there at the same time. So you got to kind of take turns. But I think the best thing that's helped me is still coming to Kingston where I go to school so I can live with my friends. And it still feels like a normal semester. In that sense, we go on walks all the time, the fresh air that you don't normally get because normally, you know, I'm walking to class every day and there's that little moment where I'm getting outside. And so it's just keeping the routine, I think, has been the most helpful, which is, I think, really difficult when you're not living with all your friends or you're not keeping up with everybody. So, you know, as hard as social media is in some aspects of life, it's been nice to keep in touch with people that way. Yeah, I know it's been challenging for a lot of us, and I'm glad you've been able to find some rhythm and routine in this pandemic. So thank you for talking with me today. Thanks for having me. Hello and welcome to Sci Section. My name is Afrin and I represent the Sci Section radio show broadcasted on the CFMU 93.3 FM radio station. I have with me today Victor Lamb and Nicole Friesen, one of the bronze medalist teams for the Canadian Undergraduate Research Competition. Could you please briefly introduce yourselves for the audience? Yeah, hi, my name is Nicole Friesen and I'm in my third year in the Honours Specialization in Biochemistry of Infection and Immunity at Western University. Hey, thanks for having us. My name is Victor, and I'm a third-year medical science student as well, studying at Western University. And specifically, I'm doing honors specialization in microbiology and immunology with pathology. Awesome. So let's get started. So as undergraduates, how did you first become interested in research and academia? Was Kirk sort of your first time doing an academic project? A lot of our courses involve research projects that have actually been quite structured and planned out by the course instructors. And so Kirk seemed like a great opportunity to freely use our immunology backgrounds in a project according to our own guidelines. Well, the topic of COVID-19 is personally relevant to my area of interest in infection and immunity, so it seemed really fitting. And yes, Kirk was my first undergraduate research project. Yeah, so for me, to be honest, at first, reading research articles was a pain for me because I didn't really understand anything. But uh, as I read more for classes and assignments, I kind of saw it in different lights. It's kind of like these were questions that someone was asking and trying to figure out the answers to. And it's actually pretty interesting. And so, like Nicole said, this is technically my first undergraduate project as well. So in a way, we had courses, like Nicole mentioned, that assigned us lab reports. And like last semester, we had kind of an in vitro project looking at proteins, but those had kind of guidelines that we had to follow as well. So yeah, I would say Kirk is definitely the first undergraduate project I've done with no limitations other than what the topic really is. That's really great. And I'm actually glad that you brought up the topic of education. Did you receive a lot of exposure to research through your education, such as your university or any other sources along your academic journey? Thanks for the question. So basically, in second year, that's when we really started the scientific writing, the scientific process, where we started actually becoming more familiar with how to do it, how to or what not to do, kind of. In first year, it wasn't really inclined towards our research. It was more towards just doing lab 
process, like doing some titrations for chem and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. That's definitely true. I think there are great ways to get involved with research in undergrad, but yes, first years wouldn't have that much exposure to it. Nicole, what about you? Anything to add? Yeah, I was going to say our university is quite well known for research. So we are, I think our labs are quite good quality and we're great exposure in our early years. Sadly, with COVID, we aren't exposed to the in-person experience as much as we'd like to be, but we are still learning like a lot of procedures and processes. And so, yeah, that definitely sparked our interest in joining this competition quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. So for a lot of undergraduates interested in academia, it can be really challenging to sort of take on an independent project like Kirk. So were there any resources or strategies that you found were very useful while conducting the research for your paper? Great question. For me, at least, we did a meta-analysis for our paper. And I think for me, that is the first meta-analysis I've kind of done. And so that was kind of new to me and the process was different. And so we actually had a lot of trouble kind of just figuring out what we wanted to do. And so I think definitely having a planned kind of what we want to talk about, what our hypothesis is. And then from there, we kind of conducted the research using like scientific database. And because we're doing a meta-analysis, like the database was our friend. Do you guys have any advice for other students looking to delve into academia? Yes, students looking to delve into academia should definitely look into opportunities outside of school, such as Kirk so that they can freely explore their areas of interest. Also, when working on these projects, make sure to start early and also work consistently to turn out the best possible finished product. I know procrastination is real and you just kind of have to fight it and it will pay off in the end. I'm glad you phrased it like that because my next point for you is going to be, could you elaborate a little bit about what the Kirk process was like for you, especially because I think you said it was one of your first undergraduate research experience? as well as anything you might have learned along the way. Okay, so in terms of the process, we began running through ideas for our paper in early September, and eventually we were set on dedicating it to the humoral and cell-mediated responses to COVID-19. Although there was not a lot known about the immune response to the disease at the time, I personally learned that I can still make a meaningful contribution to science in the middle of a global pandemic when the world seems to be essentially standing still. So that was rewarding. Yeah, for sure. And as students having transitioned to online learning this year, how did you guys think the process might have been different had you been offline? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it's very different and it's definitely hard for me at least, and I'm sure for a lot of other people as well. So in terms of like education wise, it's it's very different. It's my program is very research oriented. And so it's very hard to just kind of learn everything online and not get a chance to practice it in lab. And so in that aspect, I feel like we're missing out a little. And that's why Kirk is such a great opportunity because Kirk is a platform where we can kind of just explore and apply our knowledge and kind of continue our research path throughout this pandemic. Yeah, I guess our process could have been a little different had the pandemic not taken place. Maybe less Zoom and Skype meetings, (laughs) sessions. Yeah, for sure. We could have consulted a few more people in person, maybe get a few more opinions. But I think it turned out well in the end. I think it was designed well for us to be able to still complete it while abiding by the restrictions and everything. So I think the competition itself was a really good opportunity and I'm really glad we did it um, at this time. That's good to hear. So at this stage, where are you both looking to take your academic careers and 
where does doing research or getting research experience fit into all of that? Yeah, so for me, I'm looking to get into medicine shortly after fourth year. So building research experience is one of the major components to really growing yourself as an academic and getting yourself to the point where I think you can handle the load that med school brings on you. So I'm currently aspiring to become a physician in the future. That's really inspiring. Thank you. And what about you, Victor? Yeah, so similarly, um, my goal is to become a research physician. So for myself, as a pathology student as well, I kind of believe in like translating what we learn in the lab to kind of clinical settings and kind of applying that to patient care. And so I think research is a very important part of this. And I want to continue on research and getting that chance to have this cross between research and patient care. And so Kirk is a great, I think, beginning for me to kind of just consolidate what I know about research and know that I'm on the right path in my undergrad research career. Yeah, that sounds really great. That concludes our interview today. Thank you both so much for joining us. And it was really great to get to know more about our winners. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you for your time. Great day. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of SciSection. My name is Afrin, and here with me now are Jessica Wang and Ashwarya Maxwell, one of the bronze medalist teams for the Canadian Undergraduate Research Competition. Thank you for joining us today, Jessica and Ashwarya. Could you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Hello, so my name is Jessica. I am in second year of health sciences, going into third year at McMaster University. Hi, I'm Ashwarya, and like Jessica, I just finished up my second year of health sciences at McMaster University. It's great to have you both here. So let's get started. How did each of you first become interested in research on academia? Did you have any other research experience before participating in Kirk? Yeah, so I actually became interested in research in high school because my friend invited me to join her for I don't know if you know about this, but it's called the Cobweb software, and we use that to model different systems and it was a research-based extracurricular activity if you could call it that. I was astonished by how many journals I had access to because I know in high school when doing research projects everything was locked and if you had to go through your school database the content on there let's just say is not quite up to date. So it was a big shock about how much access I had to information and how much information was out there and I think that really made an impact on me about wanting to do further research. It's really inspiring to hear about the initiative you've taken, even as a high school student, it turns out. And yeah, I do relate to a lot of the databases being locked if you're not part of an institution. And what about you, Ashwarya? Yeah, my journey into research was a little bit later. I think I got interested into research when I started reading some of the articles that Nature would send me because I had subscribed. I subscribed as part of a mentorship program where we were graphically designing pieces based off of some articles. And in that process, I just click subscribe on a whim. And since then, I've just been reading articles they send me. And that's what grew my interest in research over time. That's really awesome, actually. And yeah, it is true. I think a lot of the online sources out there, it's or the journals, at least, it's great that they share with the public and do a lot of outreach to get more people interested. So given the time frame, the Kirk journey was sort of like an academic hackathon in the sense that you do a lot of work in a very short amount of time. So 
For your team, what was the Kirk process sort of like? And was there anything sort of significant that you learned or about your chosen subject or about academia? So in the beginning, we spent a lot of time through brainstorming, outlining how we wanted to go about the research process. The bulk of our time was spent reading other papers and determining whether our idea had been done before. So we used a couple databases, most specifically Ovid and PubMed, to find more specific research and ideas that we could bounce off of and prompt our own research. And in that process, we found other articles. And there's this one very interesting article that we had encountered by Lung et al. And that article, which talked about how one strain was different than the wild strain and was more virulent, that article is what prompted us to go in the direction that we chose to. It's interesting how you remember a very specific article that sounds really, it sounds like it had a really big impact on you. What about you, Jessica? Yeah, so I think our biggest lesson was on pivoting because we had to make so many changes from the beginning of our brainstorming stage. What we initially decided on was not the strains idea we're doing now, but a genetic mutations idea. However, as we kept researching, there were just more and more mutations and just more variables. There was absolutely very little data about each mutation because everyone was looking into different things and one or two mutations might not be significant, right? So we had to scrap that idea because there was simultaneously too much and too little data. So that was one big thing that we had to pivot on. And another concept that we had to reckon with is why is our paper significant? Why, what does it contribute to outside of you know, simply statistical significance to say, hey, this is a cool clad. We had to consider, are there real world impacts? And why would anyone want to research this? So we had to tie it to events that were current and relevant, such as the different stages of lockdown, and consider how those might also be a factor. So I think that those two were very significant for our particular project. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. And I think a lot of undergraduates, while they're sort of doing some of the work in undergraduate research projects, at least they sort of struggle with that question as well as because, I mean, what impact am I really having? But it's, it's good to hear that you guys both took something out of the process. So on to the next question, given you're working, and I think we've touched a little bit on this, but given you were working at the undergraduate level, were there any particular resources like school or any mentors or even just like online resources, like you mentioned? that you found were super helpful. Yes, for sure. We're going to touch up on it again and again. We love databases and especially if they have raw data. So two that we used were GSAID and the Ontario Ministry COVID statistics that were updating very frequently on a daily basis. So that information was extremely useful to take what we needed And another aspect of databases that really helped was previous studies, because when we were thinking about how to statistically model our data, we looked to the people who have done similar studies before. And database searching and what we learned from school and information technology was extremely useful in that sense. I absolutely relate to your love of databases. I'm not sure if you guys remember, but I was sort of part of the team that curated the Kirk resource lists every week, or at least I think this was during the last five weeks. But 
Yeah, <laughs> databases are definitely a very useful resource. Do you have anything to add, Ashwarya? If I could just build on, yeah, like Jessica said, GCA is super helpful. Government statistics, very helpful. I didn't realize how much data they would actually release, but the whole thing was really online. It was very easy to just sort of synthesize and go from there. I would also add that even like Ovid and PubMed were very, very useful just to find studies and what research was already existing on COVID and looking at like genetics as well with COVID. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like you guys really sort of delved into the academic work of it. And that's always really fun to hear. So staying sort of on that subject, a lot of undergraduates looking into research or looking into going into academia find it super challenging to sort of take on an independent project like Kirk. Do you guys have any words of advice for the rest of us in this process? I guess my first word of advice is be like Ashwarya. Joking aside, but she was responsible for a researching a lot of the background information, as well as looking at what was actually out there. And as Aisharia said, we spent a lot of time actually brainstorming and looking at the data rather than pulling what we thought was significant out of a hat. Because a lot of times you start realizing that what we think is significant, what is significant in the media even, might not actually be of that much scientific relevance. If we look at the research paper, if we look at how much data is out there, you start getting a better grasp and a better sense. So what we actually did was we brainstormed all of our ideas, then chose our top three, I believe, and then went online and looked for if there are similar studies. Has anyone done this before? Because if they have done this before, we can't copy it. If they haven't done it before, we can also not really build off of anything, which is another problem. For sure, As such, yeah. a lot of the process is, let's just go see what other people think and what other people have researched. And I'm sure. I would also highly advise getting yourself a partner like Jessica. It is absolutely so much easier to brainstorm and come up with a very solid hypothesis or even idea to back your research if you have someone to bounce ideas off of and even to ask questions like significance because it's very easy to like rabbit hole and find a topic that you're very very interested in but doesn't necessarily have significance so get yourself a partner like Jessica is my greatest advice but I think for me even with research in general the difficulty is even like finding what you're interested in especially if you're starting from point zero so my advice there would just be to read or watch YouTube I've heard SciShow is very good if you're if you're into YouTube or just subscribe to Nature. They give almost everything somewhere, articles ranging from COVID to physics to some cute little like find the penguin type exercises. Yeah, for sure. I've seen those. And I think after this interview, I'll have to specify that SciSection isn't sponsored by Nature because we're such fans <laughs> of it. But the solidarity between your team is super inspiring. It's really great to hear and partners being like, if you want to do good research, just get yourself a partner like the other partner. So to end off the interview, what are both of your sort of future plans and where do you want to be sort of in five years or where are you headed in your academic journeys? I think there is definitely a lot that I still don't know. And this research process has really taught me that there is a lot of research and there are a lot of different areas that we could have gone into because when we had brainstormed, 
we'd also thought of other disciplines, like we could have gone into sort of the psychology aspect of it. And so I think in the next couple of years, I really want to get a sense of what path it is I'm really interested in and if I really want to specialize in a specific area. Yeah, for sure. And what about you, Jessica? As Aishwarya has said, yes, I think research has been really interesting for both of us and we were both trying to pursue it further, especially since it's part of our program, so we get the opportunity. However, even beyond the program, I believe that both of us would like to go to medical school, but even then, I think it is important to not simply accept everything that we're taught as an unchanging idea, especially since medicine is such a rapidly developing field. So it's important to keep on researching, keep on reading things about research, as well as perhaps doing our own projects in the future. That's really sweet. And I wish you both the best of luck in your individual academic journeys. So with that, I conclude the interview. Thank you so much, Jessica and Ashwarya, for joining us today. And it was great to meet some of our winners this year. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's episode of SciSection. My name is Afrin, and here with me today are Adiba Adele and Sophia Liu, one of the bronze medalist teams for the Canadian Undergraduate Research Competition. Could you please both briefly introduce yourselves? For sure. So hi, I'm Sophia Liu, and I'm in third year of my Bachelor of Health Sciences at the University of Calgary. Hi, I'm Adiba, and I'm also in my third year in the Bachelor of Health Sciences program at the University of Calgary. Thank you so much, and it's great to have you both here today. Let's get started. As undergraduates, how did you first become interested in research and academia? Did you have any other research experiences before participating in Kirk? So I was actually very fortunate enough to join a research team in my first year of undergraduate studies as a volunteer. And in that lab, I was able to shadow surgical procedures and animal models, as well as conduct statistical analyses. And from there, I pursued research in different areas and ultimately joined a lab that aligned with my research interests. So currently I'm working on an emergency ventilator project in light of COVID-19. And it's really been interesting going through that process. So while Kirk was not my first undergraduate research project experience, it was certainly a very rewarding one for me. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. And what about you, Adiba? I think coming from a program that's heavily focused on research kind of helped me understand what it really means to do research and the impact that it can have. So getting to collaborate with different classmates on different interdisciplinary research projects really got me intrigued in the idea of research. So I kind of started to look into how I can expand my skill set as a student researcher. And I was able to work on a project last summer looking at age-friendly housing and its health implications for the city of Calgary. And I'm currently doing my research practicum on the use of bright light therapy for treating maternal depression. So similar to Sophia, Kirk wasn't my first shot at research, but I definitely was the first time I had the chance to fully design what a project would look like. So that was really exciting. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like you guys both sort of had a lot of experiences to back you up on this process. And that's really great to hear. So looking back on it now, what was the Kirk experience overall like for you? And was there anything significant that you learned along the way, either about the research process or just about your subject? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So initially, Sophia and I were kind of just brainstorming ideas one day on what we wanted to do the project on. And while we were talking about research related to COVID-19, I remembered that one of my sociology professors had actually posted an interesting research article that related to air pollution and COVID-19, which is what eventually we did our research project on. And although their area of research was a fairly new one, it got us both intrigued on the idea of how we can look at the intersection between like climate change, air pollution, and COVID-19. So that's kind of how we started. And just to add on to that, I think this is a very relevant topic right now and very applicable to both of our, I guess, areas of study. So we were specifically interested in how that area of research applied locally in Alberta where we live, and that's how our scoping review began. And since we wanted to look into some of the actual data behind particulate matter relating to COVID-19 infection rates, we extracted some of this data from government resources. And Kirk actually really helped guide us with that process by providing us resources to databases or links to how we can fully write our paper. Yeah, for sure. And I think it was sort of a unique subject that you guys decided to pursue, which probably definitely stood out to our judging panel as well. So for a lot of undergraduates interested in academia, it can be pretty challenging to sort of take on an independent project like this. So are there any resources or strategies that you found were really useful while conducting the research for your paper? I think I could start off with this. Definitely, as I previously stated, Kirk did provide us with a lot of helpful databases. But from our courses and my research projects, we're always, I guess, guided into looking into like PubMed or, you know, Science Direct, those sort of research databases. And I think that was particularly helpful for our scope of research since we decided to look into a scoping review. So how we started off was we decided to look into a large range of studies that covered both air pollution as well as COVID infection rates. And by using those Boolean terms, we were able to gather studies that were more focused on the area that we wanted to look into. And I think um, my previous research with the city of Calgary, I was kind of exposed to the different frameworks that were available for doing scoping reviews. So I was just really thankful for like previous researchers who had put in a lot of hard work in developing these really established frameworks to help guide students for like developing a scoping review project. And we definitely had to look through many different articles to kind of get a sense of what this project could look like in terms of like what a scoping review is and how to properly conduct one. And I think those frameworks really made our job a little easier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like you guys had sort of depth planning process, which is great. So do you guys have any advice for other students also looking to delve into academia? I guess I can start off. I definitely think academia is something that people might be hesitant about starting off as soon as we kind of go into our undergraduate degrees, we're expected to start off doing research. So it can seem kind of intimidating to students. That's personally how I felt as an undergrad, like going into research and trying to find professors to work with. But I definitely think just kind of starting off, I think that's the hardest part, like finding an area that you're, that you're passionate about, looking into professors who do research in the field that you're interested in. And then just sending off that initial email is the hardest part. But once you get the ball rolling, I definitely think it becomes easier along the way. I also think keeping your eyes peeled for different opportunities 
that could be like from your advisors or from your friends who are involved in different projects. Kind of like how Kirk, we heard about this opportunity from our faculty advisor. So we were really thankful for that. Yeah, for sure. And I think to highlight some of the things that Adiba was talking about, just jumping the boat and getting into that research. For me, in my first undergraduate year, I went into research that was completely different from what I'm doing now. And I think that's completely fine because sometimes it takes a little bit of time to actually fully understand what you're interested in and what you want to pursue in the long term. Yeah, for sure. And as a first year who sort of went through the whole cold emailing process this year, those are really inspiring words. So thank you for that. I guess my next point for you would be, given this was sort of the pandemic year and it's been a really challenging year academically for a lot of us, are there any things that you specifically struggled with as students and as also people looking to gain research experience that's usually like an in-person thing? I guess I can start on this. So for me, last summer was the start of COVID. So originally I had a very different project from what I ended up doing, which is the ventilator project. And working from home, I think it takes a lot of motivation and a lot of like reaching out to your supervisor to identify like your needs. So for me, I had almost like weekly meetings with my supervisor online over Zoom as well. But I think that's a very different aspect as being in person, because sometimes they're there to help you guide through the process of what you might not know about or what you might have trouble with. But I think being online did pose some of those challenges, but as well, it also helped me become a more independent person and it helped me do more in-depth research in areas that I would not have looked into if I had that guidance or help. Yeah, and just to add on to that, for myself, I'm currently working on my research practicum for my program. So that process has all been online. So we kind of are in charge of developing our own research project with the with an advisor from a supervisor as well. And that's been a challenging experience, but I definitely think the online format has its own benefits as well. It does, like Sophia mentioned, make us more independent as students, which I think is really important as we go on to like our professional degrees and what we decide to pursue afterwards. Taking initiative ourselves is also really important. And I think it's definitely made us like stronger communicators, taking initiative and reaching out to people if we need support in any sense. Yeah, for sure. And just because we're sort of talking about the personal growth that I think everyone has experienced because of the online environment, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask you guys, what are your sort of future plans in terms of research, academia, graduate school or anything like that? I think for me, I started this COVID ventilator project with my supervisor last summer. And because of my strong interest in that subject, I did end up pursuing independent research studies as a course with the same supervisor on that topic. And for this upcoming summer, we were hoping to finish off some of that testing and hopefully release a toolkit that can be widely used in emergency situations where ventilators aren't readily available. So I think that after the conclusion of this project, it has been a very enjoyable experience, but I'm also ready to start on my thesis project for my fourth year. And that's something that we do at the University of Calgary for health sciences. I will be doing it under the same supervisor, but hopefully in a new subject area that we can think of over the summer. That sounds really inspiring. What about you, Adiba? As for myself, currently my research project is also another scoping review. So I've gotten a lot of experience doing different types of reviews, which is really exciting. But I think for my thesis project, I kind of wanted to do something more hands-on, like being able to do more qualitative research, 
you know, doing focus groups and interviews, like that's something that I'm really interested in going into. And I'm in the process of still finding a research supervisor for my thesis. So we'll see what happens. And then I think beyond that, additionally, I think it'd be really nice to pursue a master's later on in another field regarding health sciences. I'm still deciding what to do. Yeah, that sounds great as well. And I'm sure with all your experience, you're going to be finding supervisors very soon. That concludes my interviews. Thank you both so much for joining us today. And I wish you all the best for your journey into academia. And I can't wait to see what you accomplish next. Mm -hmm.